Hello and welcome to Econo Day Unplugged. It's Tuesday, the 25th of February 2020. I'm by myself this week. Um, that's Jeremy Hawkins here in London. But um, that doesn't stop things changing quite considerably away from markets are acting at the moment. And of course, sadly, it's still the coronavirus um, which is dominating market activity with global cases having surpassed the 80,000 mark. And uh, now it's not just the media headlines which are showing a real response following a surging cases in Italy, South Korea and Iran over the last few days, as well as some ominous warning noises out of Japan earlier this morning, fears of a pandemic have ratcheted up to another level. Not surprisingly, asset prices are currently very volatile, but in uh, general, there's been a significant shift out of equities. And Monday saw the S&P fall 3.4%, its worst daily performance in two years, while Italy's benchmark FTSE MIB index was down nearly 5.5%. Oil and other commodities have also been hit hard. The recipients of those outflows have been safe haven assets, as reflected in the price of gold, which has climbed to seven-year highs, and government bonds, no notably U.S. Treasuries, where yields have fallen close to, if not beneath, previous record lows. The dollar's trade-weighted index is just off last week's three-year peak, while the likes of the Australian dollar has tumbled to an 11-year low. Um, so, as the threat of global, to global supply chains continues to rise, what are the data telling us about the economic impact so far? Well, I guess, to be honest, at this stage, there's still really a shortage of data which will allow us to make any real conclusion about what's going on. But certainly from some of the survey evidence now, there are a number of interesting pointers, the effect that there could be some real problems in the pipeline. Um, from my side of the world in Europe, um, there were some interesting bits and pieces coming out of the flash February PMI survey, which was released at the back end of last week. Superficially, it didn't look that bad. We had the composite output index uh, edging up 0.3 points to a six-month high, albeit only at 51.6. Um, that's kind of in line with what about a 0.2% quarter-on-quarter, uh, fourth quarter, sorry, first quarter GDP growth read. But more importantly, I think, as far as the market's concerned, looking at some of the details of this survey, uh, perhaps the standout feature was a marked increase in supplier delivery times, which uh, in many cases seem to be attributed to the coronavirus and its impact on supply chains. Now, it's important, I think, in terms of how we interpret these data, because bear in mind that it's, um, it's vendor delivery times which carry about 15%, or I should say, are worth about 15% of the headline manufacturing PMI. Now, traditionally, of course, if we see a lengthening in these uh, delivery times, it's typically associated with increased pressure on capacity, possibly due to you know, strength of demand. So it's seen as being a bullish signal for economic activity. But in this case, of course, it's much more to due to, to the impact of the COVID-19 virus and its impact on production and indeed its depressing um, impact on activity levels in general. So although um, we may see perhaps some relatively firm looking PMIs uh, during the course of February and perhaps even March as well, uh, the risk is that it's actually concealing a much weaker underlying picture. So to that extent, um, I think it'd be much more useful to concentrate upon things like the orders component of these surveys, which at least will give you a slightly better feel as to what's going on at the underlying level. Uh, a similar sort of pattern really came true for the UK numbers as well. Uh, 
there we saw, again, what appears to be a pretty decent headline composite output, the flash reading for February, which was 53.3. That was in line with its final January reading and also uh, taken at face value, indicative of a a pretty decent start to the first quarter for UK economic growth. However, again, within within the manufacturing component of this, we saw the sharpest lengthening in supplies delivery times on record. And these data go back, what, the best part of three decades or so. In addition, we also saw pre-production inventories fall by the sharpest extent since December 2012. So put all that little lot together, and it does suggest that we're starting to see some implications now of disruptions to these supply chains on prospective output. So I think, although it could be that perhaps the, the February hard data themselves may not look too bad as far as manufacturing is concerned, uh, we could start to see much more of a, a fuller impact starting to feed through as we move into the March figures. So it's clearly going to be something very much to, to keep an eye on. So in terms of hard data, we really don't have too much to go on at the moment. Uh, and indeed, many of the surveys have typically covered uh, what the first half or so, or perhaps the first three weeks at most of February. So really before this virus became what appears to be anyway established more globally and not just really concentrated upon inside China. Um, so it's a hard data, not too much to go on at the moment, but I think you know, once we start getting into the March numbers, then it's really going to be something to keep an eye on. In terms of what to look out for this week, well, we will get the for Europe, the Economic Sentiment Index, which will be for February, but I mentioned probably it will be put together uh, too early to a really fully um, realise the impact of this uh, coronavirus. But keep an eye on it anyway, because it could still say something about just what kind of impact it could have over longer run. More interesting, I think, in some ways, maybe some developments coming out of Asia, in particular with likes of the Bank of Korea. And Korea now is one of the, what, the top three hotspots, for want of a better expression, for this coronavirus. And there's certainly creeping speculation that the central bank, which should be holding its meeting on uh, Thursday, so the 27th of February, that despite some concerns that the monetary authority has um, over financial imbalances which are being already caused by low interest rates, it might feel obliged to come out and cut its base rate again. Uh, the last time we saw a reduction in rates there, at least in the benchmark rate, was down to 1.25% in October. That matched the all-time low. Um, so the bank has been reluctant to come out and do any more with interest rates because it's concerned about household debts being at record high. But we've already seen uh, significant disruptions to uh, you know, supply chains um, with the likes of Hyundai Motor, crucial to the Korean economy. Um, it could just be that we'll see the central bank deciding to you know, introduce some kind of insurance cut and, and reduce their interest rate by perhaps 25 basis points or so. Bear in mind that South Korea's economy is heavily China reliant. Indeed, uh, China accounts uh, for around about 25% of total exports and 21% of imports as well. Also, with regards to Japan, we don't get a a BOJ meeting until next month. But nonetheless, from some of the the warning sounds that the government's been making out there, they're quite clearly getting increasingly concerned about the potential impact on the Japanese economy. I think uh, Mark and myself talked a little bit last week week about the potential for Japanese GDP growth this quarter to be negative again. That would be after the sharp decline in total output in, uh, in the fourth quarter of last year 
as that, of course, if nothing else, from terms of psychological value, it would mean that Japan would be in technical recession. So I think going through this week, there's a number of hard data, including updates on first quarter US GDP, durable goods orders. We also have some inflation numbers coming out of Eurozone. But for the time being, I think investors' focus is very much upon the survey data and anything which really gives us a, a better idea of just what kind of impact this coronavirus will have. As I speak, um, I really mentioned that yesterday, Monday, was a terrible day for stock markets. Uh, it looks just looking at the screens as if pretty well all the major stock market indices are trading down again today as we record this podcast. So it does seem to have been some kind of, I guess, significant shift now in just how investors uh, are actually viewing the potential impact of the virus itself. Okay, well, I guess there is not much we can really say about that um, at this stage anyway. So I guess I might as well round it off for, for there. Next week, we'll be what, into March. And that promises to be a very, and bring a very interesting round of central bank meetings amid this creeping speculation that those economies most vulnerable to the virus could introduce some kind of additional monetary easing. Um, in the interim, uh, by, I should mention next week, we'll also have Brian Jackson joining us for his insights on Asian developments. So that's something to look out for. But in the interim, um, I'm off of just myself this week. Okay, well, that's it for um, this week then. Next week, we're into March and what promises to be a very interesting round of central bank meetings, given at least the possibility that we could see some previously unexpected monetary easing taking place. We'll be joined then by Brian Jackson for his insights on Asian developments. But in the interim, from just myself this week, but I say full team next week. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Remember to keep an eye on Glo on uh, Conaday's global economic calendar. Stay well and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.